So sometimes you don't want to do something because it's hard. And sometimes you don't want to do something because you're, you're distracted, you got something better to do, or maybe it's because you're dumb and you're not good at that. So it's kind of intimidating to do certain things. But sometimes you don't want to do something, you're not really motivated to do something because it's too easy. And I'm like that. I sound incredibly loud How's in the screen. Testing one, testing two. I sound great. Oh, I just fiddled with the sound settings. Just yeah, you're you're a little bit quiet, but you're perfectly audible. Okay. So the nicer voice can come through. Okay, so do you want to like play Destiny or something while we chat? Or I'm just gonna eat first, and then we'll figure <laughs> out. <laughs> great. So people can have a black and white text, not yep. even like one of those uh pictures that lights up when somebody's talking like, what nope. is that? Uh, google chat or something like that had i don't know how to play ones? with that right now and this is just a dead bot. <laughs> baby steps let's just embrace that <laughs> very baby steps yeah okay so i can't remember what the last thing we were talking about um was. actually what i want what we wanted to do mm-hmm. or how the plan was due to certain events Due to you realizing certain events? No, I'm not talking about any of that. Um, so, your channel plans? Yeah. So I figure, um, in terms of like maybe you thinking about the things that you're interested in in life in general that would be streamable. Um. And the uh, the general idea would be we could go off and we could do our own streams and then merge them together for to chat. Um, and that can be the kind of tail end of um, of streaming. So it's so like you can start your own uh, game streaming and chat a little bit and then raid it into this other channel. I mean, that's one notion that I've got. So the question becomes, um, is that something you'd be interested in? Because I've got my own, I mean, I've got my own streaming setup and all that kind of stuff. So um, I've, I've streamed video games. So I've, I play Okami primarily. It's been a very long time. But I even tech, quote unquote, air quotes, technically have permission from the hell is the name of the company that has, oh, I already used a bad word. What's the, the, the name of the company that, that owns Okami? I can't remember. Uh, I technically have permission from them for streaming it. So I've done a, a bit of that. And uh, it's a really fun game. And sometimes I chat about writing or I, or I sit down and I do some reading. So I narrate some fairy tales and stuff. So I've got things that I can be doing and I can make it on a schedule and I can have it lead into some shared conversation that is necessarily about what I was doing. And you technically have the, you have content in your life, which is streamable, streamable by other people, which could also lead into a shared conversation. Uh, That's the, the notion that I have that would actually amplify. um, I, I suppose something like it would amplify the audience. It is slightly different than, well, it is very different than what either of us would be doing. So. I would have to play a grindy game that I could just turn my brain off 
to because well i mean or just something that i wouldn't really care about the progress like i could just play like unmatched games or something but well this is possible but keeping i guess the the first question is do you watch any other streamers and what sorts of stuff can you get inspiration from so for example um it has to be a game that you would have moderate expertise at so that you can talk while you're playing. And it has to be interesting enough to look at. And it has to be applicable enough for your speech to match what is playing. <laughs> right? So so if it's a boring, grindy, clicky game, then what's there to talk about? It's just the same thing over and over. Mm. Um, there has to be a little bit of excitement. And you have to have the competency to talk at the same time. So I'll just play League of Legends or Destiny or just a single player, or I'll just play like a single player game. Sorry, say again? Either just League of Legends or Destiny or I'll play a single player game for now. Yeah, I mean, that's doable. Uh, League of Legends is amusing enough. It, or you could just go through your Steam library, game after game, just go through it. <laughs> and stream everything on monitor one and install game play game get frustrated go to the next game i i don't actually is there a way for me to count how how large my steam library is yep how would i do that mm, let me just sign into mine first and then we'll know well, and then we'll find out um I'm looking. 548 <laughs> I have to click the drop-down box for yeah. uh, the top left above the search field. 548. Um, you? Jesus Christ. I only have 226. Noob. <laughs> and out my uh, Steam account isn't ancient like it is for other people. I've got quite a lot of games in here that I want to play that um, I, I should all mine were just pretty much bought on sale. There's like not even a tenth of that was like, I want this. Well, I've got, I did do a little bit of purchasing when things are on sale, but I do judge things rather harshly. And I've gone through, because I've got a very old school game streak and there's been a lot of games that have, that are being ported forward to the most recent, everything like most recent operating system, handling better speeds, handling widescreen, better graphics with remasters and stuff. There's been a bunch of games that have done that. And so I've picked those things up, but I'm also quite interested in um, a lot of the old school style games because you know, I'm trapped in the past kind of thing. And so there's a bit of that and I'll pick some of that stuff up when it's on sale, like collections and stuff. But I kind of stopped doing that because I haven't been playing any of these games. But I am subscribed to the Humble Monthly Bundle, and I am uh, grandfathered over from a previous thing they had set up. So I actually have, of the 12 games that they have released every month, I get 10. So I have 10, you know, maybe maybe one of them, maybe two of them will be double A kind of thing. And uh, a handful will be indie. So it's a bit of a crapshoot. But in general, um, I'm not paying a whole lot of money, and I'm getting... Wait, does double A exist? I don't know. I'm just calling it that. But it's not triple A, right? I'm not going to get... Triple A. I'm not going to get a, a high-end, high-end game this way. 
but I am going to get like, for example, I got Elite Dangerous that way. So it's an older game. It's it's solid. It's recommended, etc. Or I'll get other games that are really high quality, but they're indie. Or I'll just get like middling quality art crap. But but all of them took effort to make. None of them are just are trash games. And they're they're desktop games, right? They're game games as opposed to whatever phone nonsense might be out there. Which I mean that would be an entirely separate thing for me to actually play phone games. I don't understand the idea. What of phone you know, games or of phone games in general. I just don't I mean, I came. I come from the days where, uh, as side projects, people would make games, desktop games in Flash, and uh, I've seen people charging money for games these days that are worse than the Flash games that I had from twenty years ago. Hmm? There's a there's a phrase for that. It's called asset flipping. Uh, what really? Well, no, no. This this it's it's like uh, it's not it's not just stealing assets and it's there are so for example tower defense games is a thing that was really really popular back in the early flash game days and it's a it's a it's a really it's an incredibly fun like it's an incredibly fun genre and it's been extended a little bit out into contemporary days like first person shooters plus tower defense and stuff like that but tower defense in its most basic form was done and incredible and gameplay fun graphics everything was done um 20 years ago 10 years ago and there's reimaginations of the exact same stuff but it's terrible and it's ugly and it's lacking functionality but it's on phones or you pay money for it and you can get it on steam or something like that and these are not particularly good games and it's, it's it's kind of strange to me that you've got these just ancient um, ancient ideas being rewritten, and it's it's primarily because you just don't have access to Flash anymore. You don't go and visit that stuff anymore. So yeah, the popularity of those sites have just completely shattered. Well, that and I don't even I I At tried point, getting Flash like... working. It's at this point, it's my generation and a little bit ahead behind or before mine that would remember that would remember this nostalgia for because those sites were fun in the days, but now barely anybody try- daddy does it. Um, I tried getting I've got only one game that I might play that's on Flash, it's Balloons 4 5. Okay. And um, I just can't get it working anymore because of some weird cookies login issue that that just it just doesn't work at all and i can't installing it doesn't work i can't even get rid of it in windows you want to install it but it's got some component because of a leftover internet explorer um association or something and just couldn't be asked but it it has to be purged because windows there was a windows security update that included flash and like that's not supposed to be installed not supposed to exist anymore um well flash is done at the end of the year um flash was done as soon as youtube stopped using it stopped supporting it Mm. um everybody knew it was dead at that point and that was because there was a massive security hole it it was understood as being a um a security risk and 
I'm I'm no I don't know the specifics because that that uh, that legacy of understanding the programming from that side of stuff that wasn't what I was paying attention to at the time. So I don't know why specifically Flash had issues. I knew that it wasn't particularly well updated. So upstream, its its owner <laughs> is a massive uh, attack service because every that was one of the the so Windows ninety five I think came with Flash pre installed, and even though very quickly it would be it would require updating it was the thing that existed by default and although there so it it's a more complex way of interacting online on the internet and there weren't there was nothing else everything else was like tables and text and pictures and so flash was this interactive thing and that's the only real reason why flash kind of hobbled along and it, it got some very significant updates and a lot of popularity, but it got a lot of popularity, even though there were other um, projects that sought to replace it, including from, like, there was a Shockwave that was. I thought meant... Shockwave was Flash. Well, that's the thing. There was another project in there somewhere by the same developers, and I don't remember the specifics of it, but it, like, nothing could compete with Flash simply because it got there first, not because it was any good. But it did it did evolve well, but in, in the end, people just went and found that because of security problems, as soon as at, at the time Google owned YouTube, like YouTube abandoned it. Everybody, it was the death knell, um, and there was very little else other than some gaming websites that had Flash. Certainly, you were doing something like there was a time when. A, a table a table involves columns and rows and early internet had no concept of painting anything other than lines and borders and colors and stuff around those tables so you could arrange your text and images but there was no concept of like painting a nice curved edge at the end so people would like rent like put a little widget of flash there and the flash would would curve a corner and it would understand the cell that it's in, and you would make nice curves. There was just the dumbest uses of Flash all over the place that people were experimenting with. And it was just so popular, and it was so ripe as, a, as an attack surface to infect people, to, you know, to, to infiltrate people's computers, that every, every other security hole was found and was abused, and the developers couldn't fix all the holes fast enough. And one stayed, a critical one stayed for, I think, months. And that's when YouTube pulled the plug. And WebM was new at the time. And the rest is history. Now now it's, uh, we got some really awesome HTML5 supported in-browser stuff that is just, uh, it's, it's got access to hardware, graphics acceleration, and all kinds of magic that's, that's wonderful. I'm waiting for H.265 support for web browsers, and then streaming is going to take less bandwidth, be higher quality, etc. Uh, higher quality, not in terms of resolution, but higher quality in terms of like how beautiful the pixels are. So you know how you have jaggies and stuff like that with DVD versus Blu-ray. Well, oh, that's a bad example. 
So an image is not an image is not an image. Um, so you know how you've got some that are that are a little pixelated because it had to be really, really processed, maybe to be extra small. H.265 is a very significantly smaller file size without sacrificing um, image quality. It's absolutely beautiful stuff. Um, but to make to be to use it most effectively, you need to have hardware support. And the hardware support is now common. I've got a $300 laptop and I can play 4K videos downscaled to, I can't do 1080p on that laptop. And it just, it, it plays perfectly, even though it would choke on my desktop, my earlier desktop, which didn't have hardware support. So as soon as we get that cooked into browsers properly, you're going to see um, online video is going to improve in quality for, for the same resolution. So the 1080p videos are going to look better. And that will be wonderful to see. Um, it'll be a little bit annoying because I wonder if, okay, I, I guess a lot of people are recording, well, not a lot, some people are recording in 4K now, which I think is insane, but it's happening. And what YouTube does is they save, so because I've done the, the I've been a YouTuber, I'm a YouTuber. So because I've got some inside knowledge, um, YouTube does keep the original original of the thing that you upload. It doesn't take it, process it, and keep the process copy, and then process the, like <laughs> the the three twenty p and all the way up to whatever your resolution is. It it keeps the original, and that gives them the power to reprocess, to regenerate the whatever the ten eighty p flavor of the day is. So sometimes there's more than one 1080p that's available. Like one version is WebM, one version is MP4. And I know that because there's a feature. I've got the archivist software that lets me download YouTube videos um, directly out of YouTube, rip them as whatever multiple video streams, pull them all together, uh, excise one of the audio streams from whatever other version and and stitch them all together into a video. And I've got multiple video source options that I can do that with. And um, so I can like download a music video, for example. And it, it's not 720p or whatever. So once the H.265 stuff comes out, they're going to provide another video source for H.265. In my case, 1080, I don't. I only have a 1080p monitor. I don't think I'm going to get anything better because, I mean... I don't see a point. Uh, my eyes can't see high resolution, so this is fine. I mean, I'll get a curved monitor. It's going to be my next monitor upgrade. What? You've got like TV. You've got a, you've got a monitor, monitor TV, and a spare TV that we don't know what to do with now. Well, there was a plan, but yeah, pretty much that's wow. gone out the window. Well, it's, I mean, well, maybe we'll see how it goes. I mean, We'd have to purpose a room for that. I still like the idea of sitting in the same room because it's just, it's up, it's real. This is not really real. Um, even though, even if we were to even privately just have webcams so we can look at each other, it's still not the same. People are arguing the the coronavirus thing. Oh, you you have online virtual dates, like, dude, what? <laughs> no just 
just no that's like the last ditch desperate thing that you have if you're already madly in love and one of you is at war somewhere distant and you just need to know that the other person is alive and well that's that you that's not a first date thing it's that's that's not even a last resort for a first date thing just the nuances that you lose from from that is preposterous maybe if i had like a hologram or something but man i don't know if you've ever played footsies with a woman have you <laughs> asking the wrong person that but uh pl playing footsies while you're while you're having your while you're eating back in my day you'd actually have a dinner as your first date now it's just coffee so you can run away but like just the just that little thing um is better as a uh, you just can't do that and so there's a lot missing in terms of social interaction that can't be done via remote that it would be nice to have uh, like a home studio set up i still don't like the idea of, of transforming the garage but that might be the only choice but good luck cleaning like the oil off the floor or whatever the heck make it livable down there that would be um maybe there's a way maybe there's a way or maybe we could do the project in the backyard install a little um build a hut build a set <laughs> but there's then there's the dog next door <laughs> there's always going to be something that's the problem you need like two foot thick padding of that horrifyingly expensive acoustic foam and to to keep the dog bark out i don't i don't know what to do about that dog gate troubles um so i was out there in the rain but before that um taking the garbage out and the dog is barking and barking so i went to take a look and the dog was up on its on its hind legs because they actually have a gate down a set of stairs and um there were actually people there <laughs> like right there on their balcony while the dog is there barking at them yep. in person and they're not doing anything so i know that they're not um treating the dog well at all and it's it's a lovely social dog and it's not going to be well adjusted lovely social dog okay yeah i mean it's it's i i don't like dogs but i mean it's a fine dog it's a it's a young dog and it's not being treated right it deserves better and i don't know oh, i could say i could say bad things but um so yeah put do you know the price of acoustic foam? Have <laughs> you ever looked into that stuff? Um, it is. I've poked around because I've been interested in, in audio work for a long time, obviously. And you look at Amazon, it's it's you you get X prices and you're getting tricked on either what the dimensions are or what the thickness is, or the efficacy is um you, you'll get lies about whether or not it's removable number of items per pack but it, it always amounts to if you'll see if you ever see uh, like a youtuber with one of those um 
it's like a foam it's nearly black and it's got the little pyramids kind of poking out of it one of those costs a good so in canadian like 20 30 dollars per square like that it's kind of unbelievably expensive and in order to be effective at all the room has to be that um and most people I don't understand why people have like they're pointed at a corner and they've got like four of them and they're just kind of like around as though that means something maybe I don't know maybe there's something I'm missing because uh as far as I could tell um treating treating the area doesn't do anything to my ear so I maybe something's wrong with me. I do not know. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing that really that I kind of need is maybe a better, an even better monitor arm. And if I cared enough, I just looked and across the room is my boom arm, and I can put my microphone on that. But I can't put my. I don't think I can put my mm, shock mount on it there's some weird combination of stuff that i have trouble with so theoretically speaking um you couldn't hear me bump my desk stuff like that that's my concern is an arm and that would probably be a very good improvement in audio other than that i don't know face close to your microphone like you're using a headset right now right yeah yeah so that's that's very good control over over the surrounding um so yeah um i've got a lot of games that i could go through i suppose although i never intended to stream all these in that way um because i've got me my personal stuff and then i've got like me the business side of me the author narrator kind of writer dude um and that i actually have a separate steam account for that with stuff in mind for the express purpose of doing streaming so i purchased the second copy of okami for streaming and i use that account for it just keep it nice and clean and out of the way and i mean that's the thing i'd go and i'd buy like fun kids games or something like that just to I would not be playing shooters or anything like that that I normally would. That would be a nice, clean, friendly um, like kind of setup, including every single game I would have access to. And the idea is that you'd have just a certain kind of mindset. And when I sit down, that's, the, that's what I have access to. So I don't have the 548 games there. Oh no. Because there are not sorry? Oh no. Well, so it's an, it's not I'm not necessarily prepared to stream everything that I've got. So yeah, are you um also in the stream looking at the stream? Yeah. Or are or is that an actual person that's listening to us, which would be kind of funny. Mm. Hello, random person. Um Oh, I'm not logged in. 
I can't type. Gasp. Because I'm actually, I am one of the viewers. Sorry about my typing. Typing log in. I mean, it's. Oh, it's sending me a code. Okay. <laughs> I hate that so much. Well, do you want to. I'm going back since this is still the test. Um, do you still want? Do you want to walk on the line or just like steps away from it? Of like the topics you really, of the things you don't want to do anymore. Do you want to just walk on the line yeah. against that or just stay far away no. from it as possible? No, I I think it's important to have um you know kid friendly ish um, talk. The the phrase kid friendly is actually a little incorrect because that that, that really restricts sound... uh, advertising and stuff like that. That really but, doesn't um, sound doable, or that sure. doesn't. It's it's fine, but it doesn't really. The attraction doesn't sound well. Um, and well, because um that restricts uh, the number of advertisers and how that works that also restricts how much youtube would promote you because it has no incentive of promoting you unless you can give it advertising right so you you being monetized is an incentive for youtube to make you more visible even though they say it's they want to avoid saying that's a thing hey there's me so okay i'm logged in now so in terms of YouTube, um, maintaining a, a comfortable, reasonable tone that doesn't, that isn't a disturber of the peace and it's just a regular everyday person is, is the best thing to do in terms of, um, being friendly, friendly to the platform. So for example, for Twitch, um, like body painting is probably not a good idea anymore so you know that's out and so is a bunch of other stuff so some people they would explore the edgy side of stuff and pursue pursue things that push barriers as a way of attracting attention and then that but the thing is that draw right now there's no that's not an option right that's not something that can be done um so I would I would have my author side of stuff and I could provide you know so so I mean I'm learning how to write properly and so I've got a whole bunch of resources like that to go over and I love kids stories <laughs> I love actual proper 80s kids stories oh you mean like the very grim fairy tales the grim fairy tales so like 1980s kids not like today's kids so so if it involves kids being baked in an oven for a wicked old witch that's not something for today's kids but that is something for the kid in the adults today that's like red old cheese man you you should see i so I, i i'm not i'm a good chunk i don't even know how far through um because i've i've hopped around a bunch of times um the the main book the like 1960s version of the Grimm's fairy tales that I have. And, uh, some of those tales are really bad. Just really, they're, they're bad just in terms of being a, a well-formed attention keeping story. 
they don't have a moral lesson or anything like that. They're just some of them are just dumb. Wait, attention keeping? Yeah, they're they're not like fireside stories where you'd be fascinating to wonder what happens next because some of them are just not coherent as stories. And it and I know that it's not because you never want to think that people people were dumb back then and we're smart now because that's not true. But it's because uh, the the brothers Grimm the the goal their goal was to travel around and get the stories, not to judge them or not to correct them as they were noting them, but to get the general common version of each of the tales. And uh, some of the tales are just dumb. They're 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 not like proper horror stories that teach your kids to not go out late at night or it, it's nothing like that some of them are just weird and make no sense and far too many of them involve a duck it, it sounds weird i need to start keeping track of how many fairy tales have just randomly there's there's it's a person that's been transformed into a duck or there happens to be a duck that swallows one of the characters or there's for some reason and uh it's amusing to get to, they're friends maybe just europe maybe it was a thing just randomly a duck there's you're just going through the story and then for some reason the duck gets involved yeah it's just it's just like that and because i've done i do this live streaming and i I don't know i certainly don't know the authentic versions of any of these tales because like everybody else i'm exposed to disney's bastardization of the like their stuff is not original. They're stolen from these fairy tales, maybe specifically from the Grimm's version of these fairy tales, but they're certainly transformed works and, and they're certainly different and original in their own way. Jeez. But that's what I know. So when, if you say Cinderella, I think, I think the, the wonderful, wonderful old cartoon. And, but when I read the actual thing, not only is it a really short story, um, it's different and brutal and yeah she doesn't get the happy ending oh uh cinderella cinderella well so i believe yes she got she gets her happy ending but her her awful stepsisters doesn't they don't think i killed off or something by her um i actually can't remember i think maybe I do know, and this again, the why it's not suitable for for today's kids is because, so you know about the glass slipper, right? It falls off and the prince goes around. I'll, I will prove the woman I danced with by seeing who this shoe fits. And, and he does that, but what, and don't, again, with there, it makes no sense. So the, the, ugly stepsisters one they both have feet that won't fit so what one of them does is she cuts off her heel so, so that the shoe would fit and i'm trying to imagine like the disney perspective of the of the prince trying to slip on that shoe that nice glass shoe and just the just the sister with a bloodied heel <laughs> to get to get it to fit and he actually goes off with with sister one with 
the heel that's been cut off for some reason and accepts her. <laughs> and it's he, he notices the blood as they're they're uh, on a carriage going away. And he's like, wait, wait a second. Wait, that's when you uh, notice. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, she actually cuts off her big toe. Oh, yeah, it's it's and it's really okay. So so that's not the Disney version at all, at all, at all. Yeah, and it's like that for all of the stories. I don't think I've gotten to um whatever the seven dwarves is made from because it was interesting for something like um um oh my basically every other story is a little bit weird and a little bit different sometimes very different but um but before i forget so cinderella do you know why cinderella is called cinderella because there's a reason no (laughs) the character is not actually called Cinderella that Cinderella is not her name. Cinderella is a title given to her as an insult. Her name is not actually mentioned by the brothers Grimm. Although there's a title given by Disney if you go poke around, I am told that there is she has like a a long complicated name, but Cinderella is not her name. Cinderella is a title because she was when she was adopted, kind of forced to live with um with her okay. stepmother. And for some reason, stepmothers are always bad in all these fairy tales. Um, she was forced to sleep by the fireside and uh, she got all sooty. So sooty from the cinders in the old fire, cinder Ella. So, and the Ella was she, just thrown in there. Yeah. It's to feminize it. Um, right. So that's why she's called Cinderella. And I don't know what she's actually called. Nobody else does because that's because the story is full of gaping plot holes and things that make no sense. It doesn't actually matter to any of those tales because it was never about recording stories that make any sense. It was about a snapshot in time of the story. There's even multiple versions of the stories, but um, I, and I don't know the background behind that because the the brothers Grimm might have recorded multiple versions of the the tales because there might be this region has this kind of thing in common and then over here has a similar story but there's this one element that's different i don't know if there are multiple recordings um but every collection that i get has just chooses one it doesn't it doesn't put multiple stories in so it's got the one story of cinderella even though there might be more than one variation okay it's a bit of a shame. So it's, it's, it's not meant, I don't it's meant for historical interest, but for some reason, I what mean, wouldn't make it so historically interesting. Well, okay. So, so I'm an archivist by nature and I think that there is value in anything that anybody does. If they were to tell it or record it or say it somehow, I think that there's some value in there in keeping it uh, authentic as it was i also think that there's a value in a translation of it as long as you keep the original and a transliteration of it which is a reinterpretation to explain it with today's culture so um i've got a version there are, there's always uh, i've got a version of romeo and juliet but contemporized and with guns 
<laughs> All right. So instead of instead of so when they say my sword, they actually pull out a, a pistol and stuff like that. And it's actually got transformed language to make it a little bit easier to follow. And even just being on a movie, let alone like that's a change from having been acted out in a play or from reading it as a play. So that's that's contemporizing or transliterating it. I believe in those three things. And so I see value in keeping one or more of the original stories, even though they were random, just tales that were told and not written down, because a lot of people were illiterate at the time. So they just they they would have fireside tales. Everything would be passed down. Most things would be passed down by word of mouth because, and it'll always be different from one person to the next. Yeah, kind of like accents or language itself. And so the, going through large regions, you might find similarities in stories. I love the idea of recording all that stuff. Not because there's some, it's like not because you can sell it like a product, but because it's, I mean, it's the, just the information, the, the creation, the product of, of human minds is this I would say something like a beautiful thing that should be that should be kept aside. And I don't maybe what has to happen alongside it is quote unquote justification or context or whatever, but a lot of that is hard to understand after the fact. But and it's not I'll I'll give you an explanation from um the internet archive. So I know one of the guys um, involved with, so the internet archive is one of the world's largest websites and it archives the internet. And it's used as a source for, for record keeping, for referring to things. And they talk about, there's an idea, let's say for example, um, they keep an archive of a picture that you have on your website. Now, maybe you move on from that and you go do other stuff. And that was a website you used to have 20 years ago. And um, you stopped paying the hosting bill. The domain name expired. Nobody cared. Um, maybe it's being sharked by somebody. Somebody sitting on it, offering it to sell it to whomever comes along. But there's a snapshot in time of like, like a 1997 version of a website. And in that website is an image. Now, a normal person might look at that snapshot and think, I can take that image and I can compress it. So I can, I'm keeping a copy, um, but I don't want to waste a whole lot of storage space because I'm doing this, keeping an image for every single, every website, if, if possible, which is, it isn't possible. Um, just don't tell that to the American government because they are making massive archivist efforts, which is terrifying and awesome. Um, but within the image is knowledge, um, that say represents the compression technology that was used at the time, for example. And it is a level of information that isn't necessarily intended to be, um, associated. 
it's not not part of the package of the author of that website doing that on purpose, but it might have metadata in it that says something like, this was edited with this version of this image software, which is actually an important piece of historical curiosity, which might mean something to someone for some reason. It isn't knowable how interesting that might be. And I'll give you a, um, a more firm um, example of something that, that would have value. Okay, so, so you've got a magazine and you can't physically keep it because you, you just don't have the storage space and you know paper disintegrates over time or water damages. So you want to keep a digital copy you, and you want to keep more than one digital copy on different continents and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so you, t you take a photograph of it, a really high, high quality photograph of it and you keep that picture aside and time passes. So you have this JPEG Im image or whatever it is of that, which, which tried really hard to keep a good copy. And somebody comes along years later, decades later, and looks at that image. Now, to the original capturer of that, what it was is a page in a magazine. It was an advertisement. It was whatever, and it and it represents um, content within like an an old Nintendo Power magazine or something like that, and that's really important for like the history of of the the original NES and the history of video games and and this and this and but then another person comes along and sees that, and what it is is it's a uh, is a, it's a picture of the advertisement is of a behind the scenes moment of the filming of a movie. Now, for that person, what that image represents is a snapshot in time demonstrating the positioning of filming equipment during that era. It's a view to the past of what was used, how it was used. So that that archival snapshot intended to capture a piece, a slice of a magazine for that purpose, but how it can be used, how it can be valued is unknowable. It could, in the end, be extremely important for somebody who wants to, say, authentically recreate a set for filming a movie that is itself set in the 1980s. Something weird like that or somebody who's an artist who wants to understand the original equipment for some other reason. And so they, they need to understand what was used, where it was put, how it was angled, the, just weird stuff. And so archivism can be, can be incredibly valuable if, it's, if it keeps the original source snapshot with no judgment. But uh, it's also valuable when there are additional, like every opinion that gets tagged onto it can also find its own value. This is something that I'm rather passionate about. We're like eight minutes over our break, aren't we? Might as well just keep going for now. We had a we had a few stumbles, so because you were eating. 
Because I couldn't <laughs> figure out why it wasn't working in the first place, why audio wasn't working in the first place, but now it's... Yeah, I understand I why it's... Like, you went upside down, low resolution text. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, like, I under... Well, the first... Okay, so the two issues that I ran into was um, with my head with this headset I have, it's it has two audio settings, and because it's because it can do Bluetooth, so it thinks that uh, the Discord is working. Audio was piping out through a different setting, mm-hmm. so that's why I couldn't figure out why we, I wasn't able to record, or, or you weren't able to hear yourself. That that's a terrible explanation because I don't understand. My headset has to so, because it has Bluetooth. It uses um, so it treats itself as game chat or so, wire or personal chat or whatever. So you mean Discord was piping it out to your headphone, but not it, it wasn't being seen. Discord by was piping OBS? it through my game chat. But OBS oh. wasn't dis- wasn't detecting. Oh, I was get it. Listening, okay. Discord or OBS was thinking that it the your the your your chat your voice was coming out through the personal is going out through personal. Okay. <laughs> so so Discord has the ability to to kind of output on multiple channels. Yeah, if it is what I'm hearing, got its own thing, and every now and then I have to fiddle with it. That is very strange. So that would be part of the the prep work. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how better testing can be done. This is part of why, uh, especially in a professional, especially when it's something that's like live in a professional setting. Once something works, you touch nothing. I ever. did touch nothing. No, now I know, but. I'm I'm just thinking because you're you're otherwise using the computer. Yeah. But I know there are business who businesses who are like they will not update software at all. Um and they won't they won't like improvements and stuff, they they just do not care. They because and making any little adjustment to some component somewhere might cause unknowable issues elsewhere. Or and it's, changes uh, where they where the company thinks it's a good change, but for somebody else who's been using it for who knows how long or how many hours per day, it'll well, stay, it's a. Okay, so using um, do you happen to know who Monty Ohm is or was? Nope, not offhand. He was an animator who made who, who got noticed by Rooster Teeth when he made a sh- a video called Hey, Hey Halo Toys or Hey Toys, which was a clash. A combination of Halo and Metroid. Okay. And then after a while, he got picked up by Rooster Teeth, and he pretty much ran, did or did most of the animations for them. So, at some point, you started seeing um, CG or motion mocap motion capture being done. Mm-hmm. And long story short, was um, every time I can't remember what software was using, but every time they pushed out an update. He would complain to the guy handling their IT about, can you roll back the program for this update back? Because this button was like two clicks, was two clicks, and now it's four clicks instead. <laughs> he got that yeah. attentive. 
this is called workflow. Yeah. <laughs> and once you're really good with your tools, getting stuff. Uh, ooh. This was um, this was one of the problems that made the adoption of the animation studio. Um, wow, it was in my head that it ran away because I was using too many words. Uh huh. Ooh. Okay, so so there's uh it it was up and coming for a long time, but it was it's because it's open source that it was really really slow to take off. Uh, starts with a B, but I can't remember its name now. Um, and for it animation. for animation, yeah. And so it it does graphics, and te- and technically it does. Um, oh man, where's my brain? I really hate that I can't remember its name because <laughs> I tried using it and it's just so hard. Uh-huh. And and it's it's an animation studio, but the thing is, it's an anim- animation studio that couldn't compete because it didn't it wasn't fully featured, but now it can, and people have actually made full movies and stuff with it, full animated movies. And the the one of the biggest problems that it had was everything about it was different, like just utterly alien to to other studios, to other studio software. And it was, it's just too much of a barrier for, even for learning, especially when they're using different terminology for some things. Um, and I was never, it's, it's a dream of mine to know how to animate because I've got a lot of ideas that I could express a lot better if I could have uh, infographics and animations, even if it's simple stuff with that. And I don't mean so simple that it would be cartoon-like, so um, 2D animation type stuff. So um, what would you like? Cell-shaded traditional cartoon stuff, frame-by-frame stuff. I mean 3D capable where you could actually move the camera around freely. Um, Six degrees of freedom is the phrase. Um, I've always wanted to know how to do animation to express certain ideas. Um, and so I was interested in the software and one of the things that they ended up doing is having like a mode, like not like Photoshop mode, but modes that have it mimic more closely mimic other, well, I guess what you can call them competing, um, competing software to try to help it. But there's stuff like, um, GIMP, the GIMP is a, uh, it's like a free version of Photoshop only it's bad and it's really hard to use and really awkward and hackers made it and it just, it stinks. Hackers Hackers made it. Um, and they, they don't understand mortals and how to create uh, a piece of software that, um, that just humans can use. So it's a really convoluted, technically perfect but just hard to understand software piece of software and it's like the free version of photoshop so you can do all like all kinds of stuff with it but it is so different so if so for example if i wanted to go to the gimp and i wanted to like take i wanted to like download a meme and and a meme template and i wanted to like put some text in 
that would actually be hard. <laughs> like I could put that, I could open that up in MS Paint and I could figure it out. But in this, no, it's it's really hard to figure out how to like you how to use the text tool or how to do certain things or well I need to create a new layer and then I need to do this with the layer. It's like I just want to to draw a box to cut and to move it and to paste. But no, you can't not really do that. It's so there's some some stupidity with interfaces that I totally understand. And nuances, yeah, I've been messed up by small nuanced changes. And unless it's a feature that I need to um like unless a piece of software has a feature that I I, uh, I never knew I needed, but I should be using. Not something that's interesting, but something that actually genuinely provides value. There's there's simply no purpose in updating unless it brushes against the internet, in which case you have security concerns and you should keep things updated, even if it's painful, which really sucks for web browsers because boy, have they gotten slow. Like you don't remember the olden days. <laughs> boy, have things gotten bad. Um, and I am, I am now using three separate browsers, four, maybe five, but For basically three. So I've got a bunch of stuff that's just more compatible with Chrome because, because oh, yeah. of a uh, certain functionality. So Chrome plays better with the infinite scrolling that a lot of websites seem to be using now. It's the... What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to have X number of items per page, like 30. And then when, when you scroll down, you've hit the 30 items on the page. It's got page numbers at the bottom. You just go next page. <laughs> and it paints, paints items 31 through 60, 61 through 90. And it just goes on. like, And that's how you're supposed to interact with the life. Uh, and there are a lot of websites that have just infinite scrolling, like YouTube is now infested by that. And what that forces is um, your web browser has to maintain the structure of all of the previous stuff that you've scrolled through. And some web browsers don't handle that very well. So they just raw keep all that rendered in memory. And so you'll scroll down and scroll down and it will start getting jerky and slow and freezing and and you lose the ability to interact with certain things because it'll just be so slow and a script will freeze just because it, it, it was not built with that nonsense in mind. But Chrome has been funny how Chrome works really well with that functionality. And that functionality is now forced because YouTube's got a, I don't know if you've seen the layout change in YouTube. It's pretty, pretty fiercely different now. It's really awful because it's just ugly and slow unless you use Chrome. So I have Chrome for that. I have Brave, which is an experiment uh, that I've, I've been using for like a tiny bit of browsing. Also because I'm making money with it, which is kind of nice. And it's based off of Chrome, but it's based off of, of, of Chromium, the open source aspects of Chrome plus modifications for security and privacy and uh, this ad system that they have. 
and um, but it's not 100% compatible with the extensions that I would require to have it as a more full-time browser. And then I've got uh, Pale Moon that I'm still using because it's a more updated version of what used to be Firefox from a long time ago before they made a massive interface change and broke all of the add-ons that I require. Um, one of which is for archivism, which lets me grab websites. And so I, I can't live without that functionality. Um, so I might be forced to keep a version of that web browser as a snapshot in time in a, a virtual machine with its own custom operating system in it, like in a little, uh, you don't know about virtual machines, I'm betting, but. Oh yeah, because I, oh, I had a fun time playing with them. Really? So when I, was um, I, when I was taking my course, they made, or most all, all our projects were done through virtual machines. Yeah, and that's because it lets you take snapshots and reset stuff, but I use it so that I can actually have an operating system utterly alien from the host that I've got. So I've got a Windows 10 host with, in my case, a piece of software called VirtualBox that gives me actually quite seamless windows of applications that I'm running from another operating system. So I can actually pull up a web browser from a, that is Pale Moon, run under an installation of Linux through VirtualBox, and I can just pull it up alongside everything else. And so I might do that and just have a, a captured version of, of a, a, a setup just for access to, to that software. But in my particular case, I use the entirety of the Linux installation where I, I do all my surfing and, and all my random research and my music and I, videos, you know, music videos, or if I watch a movie or something, I can do it through, through Linux. But I've got the Windows host so I can play video games natively and stuff like that. Do all the things that, that maybe is only available for Windows. Like I own licensing to video editing software and stuff like that, which are not, they're not cheap at all. Um, or, or whatever, right? So just sometimes you, you interact with the outside world in via windows. Um, which reminds me, um, you're not enough of a technical person, which has always tortured me because I can't talk shop. I haven't, I haven't known anybody I can talk shop with for in so long. It's About. painful. Um, Apple, and I, I've, I saw it coming. I saw it coming a long way away. Um, so there are two philosophies for CPUs. One philosophy says that if you create shortcuts for certain kinds of common applications, so for certain common algorithm algorithms, let's say, and you create them and you refine them and you, you make them perfect and you put them right in this, you cook it into the CPU as a feature in the CPU so that your software can go, now do this math, perform this complex action. I'm going to give you this number and this number and, and, do, and do these things. And it's, it's one request, one operations request, and that operation is cooked into the CPU. Definitely one philosophy says... 
you should bake in as many of those complex uh, problems as possible and provide them as single um, single references to use. So that's one philosophy. And that lets you write your software and and throw stuff at the CPU and have a lot of that really, really low-level, hard, heavy lifting done. I'm talking like the absolute lowest level possible. So I'm talking like operating system and below. I'm not talking about somebody like writing a... Um, well, could be somebody writing a video game or something like that. Like it's 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 the hard stuff. And the other philosophy says um, to get out of the way and make the CPU as simple as possible. So the the first philosophy is called CISC. So complex instruction sets that let you do these these macro ideas. And the other one is RISC. So reduced instruction sets, which doesn't have those shortcuts, but it's also got less in the way. So if you're doing like basic stuff, you don't have to um, wait for all to, to push your data through all the complexity of the previous thing. So if you're not taking advantage of any of the other stuff, you're going faster. So the philosophies are a little bit weird because um, there's a lot of power usage problems on our, our like the computer you're using now, is CISC, but RISC is the stuff that's that's being used for something like the ARM processor, which is used on phones, and uh, say our internet router or a lot of uh, a lot of the simple, smaller stuff, the low power stuff, um, is all going to be using ARM, and that technology it's not as powerful. It's um, and they're just and software is not compatible one way or the other without using virtualization, which is just uh, is generally an awful idea. And so, and there's always been this weird problem where you can write software for your desktop, but you can't use it on your phone, and vice versa. Your desktop can use phone software if you do some really. It it just ends up being too much work, and nobody's really done it. Can't you just it's possible. Emulators or such? Yeah, I mean, this kind of stuff is possible, but then you've got all kinds of weird things like, well, you interacting with the screen and the buttons, and there's all there's other problems. So, um, the there ends up being two fundamentally different walled gardens that separate phone land and and small devices land from actual computers land and what apple has done a long time ago what they started doing is so the 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 licensing for arm for the arm processor was open enough was reasonable enough that they allowed developers to make to to take the um, the, the specifications for the ARM processor, use it under license, and it let them make their own uh, add-ons to that, to make their own modules, to make their additional complexities as they choose. So it's like ARM plus a tiny bit of extra benefit that brings it closer to the functionality of, of a, a better, 
of, of a traditional processor with all this extra complexity. And what Apple did is, is they took that generous licensing, took that and actually started fabricating their own processors specific for their stuff and specific for their operating system for their phones. So they had really tight control over power management and heat and what was available for the operating system. And so iPhones are really, really fast and they're not, they're getting, they're getting really close to low end laptops now is how fast. And I, and I mean, same with the price, right? That's all a thing and, and good on them for, for doing that. I like the idea. And what's interesting is Apple is now announcing that they're going to be for their desktops moving away from moving towards a risk instruction set again, moving towards what they're doing in terms of fabricating their own CPU for desktop computers, for laptop computers. And making them in-house and making them arm and it's a nightmarish proposal because that would mean that for the third time their soft their older software would not be compatible with, with their new products but they are hopefully properly this time going to create an emulation layer which would mean that you could install your old software meant for, you know, OS, OS 10, whatever point, whatever. They actually do it though. Because they, they, cause they, they actually changed. They did, they made this change before when they were just left in the dust in terms of processing. But they, I can't they, see, but I can't see Apple make, or from the, what the history of what Apple does with trying to keep people ditching the old and getting the new, I can't see them. I can't see a reason why they would do that. Well, so they... Unless they do they it in actually, phase. They used to use like a PowerPC processor way back in the day, and they, they migrated everybody over to the Intel-based processor. And so, and what they promised was this emulation layer that let you run the older software, but it never really worked very well. So it was kind of a disaster. But But people people stayed with their their a successful company so it's not like it really wrecked them but now they're doing they're kind of going back so they're they're doing the they're performing the same sweeping change again but what they're doing is they're not exactly having emulation so you're not taking the software and like running it in os 10 mode or whatever however they're going to describe it what happens is when you first install the software, it edits it so that the it actually rewrites the code that's being installed so that it runs and it's already quote unquote translated for the new setup, which which is I have no idea how that's even possible, but okay, that that's it's so it removes virtual removes a virtual machine layer which which is i've never even heard of that being now under in in linux we have the idea of uh, when you are taking something from source and you're you want to make it 
executable, you compile it and you have something called a target. And the, the target platform might be something like, it, there'll, there'll be a set of flags, but one of the most important things is what kind of general kind of CPU you target. So it might be like AMD 64. So a traditional desktop CPU these days is going to be in AMD 64 compatible, like a 64-bit processor. But there's also uh, a 32-bit processor. And that tends to be like old versus new. It's, it's not exactly true, but... And so your 64-bit processor could, if the operating system is also 32-bit, it can run 32-bit stuff. There's certain limitations when you're doing that. But but it can also run 64-bit software. But if you run if you go 64-bit, your operating system is 64-bit. You got to go all the way. Your 30 your 64-bit your everything should be 64-bit. It is possible to run 32-bit software, <laughs> but but what you would end up doing is the best idea is if you were to compile your software from source, you compile it, you target 64-bit software. Okay, so. So in, in Linux, for a lot of stuff, you could compile it and you could target uh, AMD 64. You can target a 32-bit setup. You can target ARM. You can target this, that. It, I mean, it's, it's kind of arbitrary as long as whatever you're compiling with understands what ARM is and the different versions of it. So that's already a thing. Um, it's part of what makes Linux kind of magic. Um, so what Apple is proposing is something kind of like that, that while installing the software is disassembled and reassembled, compiled for that target architecture, which like is, is absolutely incredible. And, but what they're, what they're proposing, um, would let them and if they do it right the first thing it's going to mean is their laptops with their absolutely disastrous heat issues the heat issues will be much more managed and the battery life will be improved they might even be able to reduce um size or have less um like heat heat sink or heat distribution or they might even be able to remove fans like magic could be performed if they had this lower power, lower heat architecture that they're using. So their laptops would be in a class all their own. So the, it ends up becoming a software problem just to make sure all of the old software can still run on this new, this new architecture. So that was, uh, that is what I learned the other day. And, that is like, that is absolutely game changing. Um, the problem is, um, once you understand uh, things like the right to repair um, and repairing Apple products, they are not friendly people in terms of making a high quality piece of equipment. If you if you were to buy anything Apple, you pay premium price. You also need to double that and take the rest of that money and and put it into a separate account somewhere because that's how much it's going to cost you to repair it, 
or replace it because it's not going to have a, a decent lifespan or it's uh, the insurance that you're going to have to have on it is expensive or it's it's uh, it's warrant it's premium warranty and stuff like that is horrifyingly and unnecessarily expensive etc etc some of it's really the nightmare stories that I've heard about people with specifically laptops I'm talking about I'm not so familiar with their phones although I've heard some nasty stories about their phones um, and I do they I assume they still do desktop stuff I just not I'm not in the know I know yeah, they do um, desktops they came out have you heard about the Apple wheel <laughs> what the Apple wheel seriously no I don't know it so uh have you ever seen their desktops before yeah i've seen a few of them including uh, in person horrifying cost so picture a more modern or picture the same thing except they gave wheels to them and they sold them at a premium revolutionary of, new laptop with no keyboard for what that's the onion what the hell no Wait, <laughs> okay no onion that's not what it the was. apple wheels a set of four wheels Oh, they cost four hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> looking at an article from The Verge. Yeah, so that's like I don't even know why they charge. I mean, I guess you can get away with they can get away with it, but it's like four uh, however much for something for attaching it to a computer when generally oh, you shouldn't be man. doing that. What the hell, thousand dollar stand? Like the things you bump into, and this is one of the things you don't just laugh at. Well, I don't like. I'm. I don't pay attention to Apple. I'm not even sure what I was doing. Oh, it was like a random recommended Linus Tech Tips video. He's growing a beard now. Yeah, he's cute. Um, and he he was talking about this Apple stuff. It so it's. Is. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I I would feel good about Apple if if they weren't otherwise just putting out so much trash. It's, it's just not, it's not a good long-term investment. Um, and because theoretically speaking, I could just virtual, virtual machine and use all my old stuff anyway. But the problem is, like, my Steam library would have to work on it, so... It's just not going to happen. I'll just stick with what I have. Because I don't really care. I don't really care to get into their ecosystem. Just like I wouldn't bother with one of their phones. Only to kind of play with. But it's it's like way. costs way too much, man. Holy. Yeah. <sighs> um, okay, let's go actually just take a break for now. Sure. Ten minutes or what? Ten, five, ten minutes. Okay, so we'll see you in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, here is where we would like have. A, do you have like a ten-minute video you want to play? You want to stream? No. Get us demonetized. We're not monetized. It doesn't matter. Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> okay. I can't okay, even. I was thinking about how to even put a timer. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, I think I have a lot of that stuff figured out. So. Um, you can write to-dos, and I will help you with some of these things. Yeah. Okay, so I'll see you in a bit.
wonder if this works through a screensaver. Okay, well, it's muted on his end, but I'm back. I actually don't have admin control or anything, so I'm actually wondering, hey, I can... Oh, you can hear me. Ooh, I have the entire stream all to myself. What can I talk about? I want to talk about my writing. Because I'm selfish like that. Man, I want this book to be published so that I can rant and rave. Uh, except it's so hard to be noticed when you're writing. And I know that because I've been paying far too much attention about the business side of things. Oh, I think he's back. And you are back. Now, how do I hide this? Skirt removed. So, gone. Sorry? And it's gone. And what's gone? Oh, that. Yeah. We've got a whole bunch of stuff like that set up. It's been too long, so it's kind of fallen out of my brain. Because I haven't done streaming in so long. Which is kind of a shame. Um, and maybe it's my choice of time of day. This sort of stuff. So. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of tortured that I haven't finished this book yet because there's so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> but I can't spoil my own stuff. So uh, finish it and get it out? Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly stuck. It's just kind of like drudgery. <laughs> I've got all the... The ideas are the fun part. I've got all the ideas written down, but like actually writing down the like blah blah in between descriptions of stuff is just kind of tedious um i need somebody to i i need to be the ghost writer for the ideas for an actual writer who's any good and just feed that person with good ideas i don't need credit or anything like that it'd be nice but i've got lots of ideas i just but what's nice is i recently learned about the editing process a lot more and it turns out that i might be able to get editors a lot cheaper than i thought i had one noted and it would cost me only in the hundreds of dollars not in the thousands of dollars like i thought because i was originally uh, planning on something like five thousand dollars an editor and i would require two which is kind of scary um and if if that can be dropped down to me gaining skill plus giving it to a um give, giving it to an editor for like 300 bucks or something and this is an actual proper editor not like not like a fiverr editor or one of these other services um then i could i mean then it's doable because the editing part of things is actually exceptionally important the thing is um uh i am i'm a bat i'm bad at writing like in the sense that one of the problems that some writers like me have is uh so you've got an idea maybe you, maybe you write down a skeleton and then you go and you write your sentence and your sentence and maybe your paragraph then you go back and you do it again and then you do it again and then you do it again and again and again and again and I'll like write every sentence a dozen times and I'll keep 
And so I'll take, I'll go back from the beginning. I'll take another pass and I'll make a couple adjustments and I'll go back and I'll make a couple adjustments. And this is only possible because all of the ideas are solid. There are no plot holes. There's no, there's nothing missing. It's, it's all good. It's just, I need to make the, the attaching musculature of more and more toned, more and more well-attached, more beautiful. And that is technically impossible. And so it ends up being torturously, I torturously rewrite. <laughs> so I just get lost in that loop. And the problem is I, I've gotten lost in that a couple of times. And I'm only just getting to the, the place that where I haven't done any writing at all. And it's just this, this desert of, of not notes, but thoughts that thoughts that weren't that are just not quite in the right order and need to be where the skeleton isn't aligned very well and it's kind of it's daunting it's daunting so that's kind of where i'm at and that's what's been been uh i guess demoralizing would be the right word but the thing i should be working on at least in the meantime is um i don't know if you know this about me actually so i've got these notebooks and i just free write stuff in them and they turn into stories sort of did you know that i do that by the way no so so i just i just call them um i can't call them anything more than just pieces but it's like world building so i i won't exactly have an idea in my head but i will just write stuff and then I have a method of exploratory writing that let, lets me take stuff and actually just keep going. And it turns into a, a coherent partial world. It might be the setting for a story, or it might be part of a story, or it might even be a short story. Um, and it's, ne it's never complete, and I don't edit it. So it's just, it's just first try. And I go back and I will narrate them and I narrate them. So they're totally unedited and, uh, quite a lot of it is incredibly good. Like even to me is incredibly shockingly good so much so that what I think I will do is now that I'm thinking about it, what a scary endeavor. Cause I could probably do it right now is just take it all compile it and just publish that because and that's why i got a document camera in the first place even though it's a scary thing to do live i could theoretically sit down right now with a pen and paper and just write and then a story would appear and it's the sort of thing that is i i've never even heard of this being a thing in circles of writing before but i've got a, a technique for it that I think I can teach, but I think I can only teach to a certain kind of person. And it's always the, uh, you know, the messy haired, uh, daydreamer sort well, maybe you do know that sort cause you're kind of like that. Um, but it's, you know, the frazzy haired art, artsy fartsy type who can't clean anything. Who's always daydreaming. It's a, it's this sort, but there's a writer version of that called a uh, gardener or a pantser if you're british 
And this is one of the two archetypes of, of, of writing personalities, let's say. The other is the architect. And the gardener is a is an is a an exploratory uh, experimental type of writer that that just likes going with the flow and uses the kind of intuition and feels out a story and structure is something that they have difficulty with so they might have a a, a beautiful setting but actually properly structuring a coherent story through that is that's their challenge whereas the other the architect will map everything down with like notes on on cards and will lay them out and there will be a structure and there will be like the essay the essay style structure of well this goes here like this and this and you need this components in the in a scene and you have this many and this is the story arc and then they just have to fill out the fluff and that's the hard part for them is making everything beautiful and descriptive and Right. And, and I'm, I'm, well, I'm kind of both and neither. So I'm more the gardener type where I can go exploring, but I've discovered a structure to it that actually lets me end up with something that's quite coherent just by going exploring. So I've got little notebook after notebook after notebook. I think I'm on my fifth and I took a long break. Um, but I should go back to that. And that that's actually, um, I, maybe you've never experienced this. <laughs> okay, so, so sometimes you don't want to do something because it's hard. And sometimes you don't want to do something because you're, you're distracted, you got something better to do. Or maybe it's because you're dumb and you're not good at that. So it's kind of intimidating to do certain things. But sometimes you don't want to do something. You're not really motivated to do something because it's too easy. And I'm like that. And that may not be an experience in your life. And this isn't, uh, this isn't me, my self-congratulatory genius or something like that. Because boy, am I lacking. But it's a, there's a, a certain state that is possible for at least some kinds of people where motivation um like self-motivate external motivation like when i make a promise i make good on my promise so doing a good job at work and showing up on time this kind of stuff i, I will do that it's i like doing that so i don't i don't lack motivation for fulfilling my duties um but when it's just me alone um what it in terms of like Writer's block, for example, it's sometimes just a motivational issue. My version of it is when I'm faced with a challenge and it isn't one. Is I'll just be like, I might get to it and just be, just cut through it like hot knife through butter and just not really care, and it doesn't feel like an accomplishment. And the next time around, I just kind of won't want to do it. I it sounds weird, <laughs> and so I've got notebooks. And I haven't actually picked one up in months just because, and when I, when I get back to it and I get into it, it's like I'll fall, fall back and I'll fall back in love. And then I'll just pause and the pause will end up being months. So that's a bad habit of mine. Um, have you ever figured out how you work for stuff like that? You've yeah. been alive. I've been what? 
you've been alive for long enough to know your strengths and weaknesses. The moment I start thinking about it, the moment where it starts going downhill from there. (laughs) So you want to act without thinking? Pretty much. Okay, I need to do this. Do I really want to? Not really. I can't be bothered. Well, the thing is, you're not doing anything else that's more important. But it's even more interesting. Or interesting. It's something else. Just go. And now the sun's up. And now the sun's down. And now I'm hungry. What time is it? Maybe what you need is to learn to multitask. And one of the tasks would end up just being that thing that you probably ought to get done one of these days anyway. While you're in the middle of doing other stuff. It's just kind of like the, the filler thing you do. Like the actual thing with the responsibilities attached to you. You do while you're listening to music or while you're whatever or while you're whatever. Um, I'm, I'm notoriously bad for multitasking, I think. I think. And I remember, um, so multitasking wasn't actually a thing with computers. <laughs> You, you could only do one there. thing at a time. Let's not go there right now. We're not going back to computers for a bit. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I've got all these, these notebooks of, of me, me fiddling around or writing, so I should probably get back to at least that. And I'm wondering what it would be like to try to bundle that up into a book. So I can't, like, put on a GoFundMe and say, Teehee, I'm a writer. Um, <laughs> Look what I did. Give me $30,000. One, one of the videos I bumped into um, had a trucker that was a truck driver from, was a truck driver for years. He wanted, he just listened to so many things and he thought, well, I could probably write something. Well, I could all, there's a chance I could do so, write something better. And, he bumped into a auction, or I don't know how, but he bumped into somebody who threw put herself up her services for auction. And she, as a writer, as a publisher, oh. like the truck driver, he, he himself wrote everything, and he just needed a publisher and such. But she felt she, I can't remember the word right now. Mm-hmm. Felt like she could her she was worth more so she went all out only for like a small amount of money that she was one for and managed to get his book like high rated on the chart somewhere for a decent amount of time well because she wanted to actually set herself up as being capable yeah yeah well that's i guess the term would be hungry um, I know that's a term used for artists <laughs> for doing casting for TV and movies is you want to get a hungry artist who's kind of green, but will end up working extra hard to do their very best, make a solid impression to build their resume. And they're going to do that with your product, whatever it is, your show. And so what you end up is the discount rate of somebody who's new and the high quality of somebody who's trying and that is a that is a beautiful dream and in terms of business hiring it's hard to judge a person like that and 
and hunger might not doesn't necessarily mean young. It could mean somebody transitioning to another um, in, like industry. Um, so it could be somebody who's quote unquote old, who's switching to a new industry or they came out of school or something like they retooled themselves or they moved and they want to get back into things. So they, they work a little bit extra hard. I also have made this, this argument elsewhere with my own, with my own rambling about um, hiring somebody who would otherwise be considered a defective by other employers. Uh, hiring somebody who lost their job because of a mistake, for example, something like this, um, that can actually be incredibly um, that success with that can be an incredible payoff because you get somebody who hungers, who wants to work extra hard, and you end up reaping the benefits of somebody who's already been through trial by fire and and made it out, and now they're they owe you one there because you hired somebody you hired somebody who's not just going to work harder to prove themselves without you even asking for it but they're also going to um, already be well tempered against that particular problem that that they may have made in the past or maybe their previous business fell apart in flames which happens a lot unfortunately um, and so they have learned all of the lessons from their other experiences so some businesses are really dumb and they want to just hire young people because they think they're like, they're not ruined yet. They, they think that they've got brand spanking new knowledge and they'll be useful and stuff, but they're actually missing out on all the, um, all the grizzled veterans that they might have access to. Um, with the, the, the problem is the kind of right because a lot of those grizzled old veterans get bitter about not making as much as they think they're worth because they're old or they have more expensive lifestyles. Like they've got families or something, right? Well, I wouldn't say that. Okay. never mind. <laughs> so, um, I mean that your truck driver. So, so first off, I actually knew a truck driver for, I played D and D with him via his cell phone. He was the, the dumbest arrangement ever and and it was it was just unworkable it was unworkable because it was awful trying to trying to because he didn't have anything in front of him like he essentially lied to us about being able to join our our game because he couldn't open up a web browser and be sitting there and using it he would just have his phone out and we'd just be live would we'd be voice chatting with us and he couldn't take notes he couldn't roll dice he couldn't like it's like what, he was on the road like because he, he was literally working and literally on the road while on the phone with us. And we were all nervous about that. <laughs> so it didn't work out, but I did get to understand that. Um, that seemed to be truck driver was exceptionally bored. Well, yeah, they're driving on the road. And they're driving on the road for 12 hours a day, right? It's, or more. And, uh, and so listening to stuff, so listening to podcasts, for example, this is one of the reasons why long form podcasts are, are quite, I don't know if I want to say entertaining, but certainly ear catching. Um, because there are people in circumstances where they have a significant amount of time. And so listening to something that's, that's reasonable and it's consistent and that that's attention grabbing well enough yet 
they can stay reasonably on autopilot so that they're not crashing into stuff. So some people at work, uh, some people that when they're doing their workout or something like that, and it just keeps like, uh, you end up segmenting your mind. And this is something that I, that I would suggest for you. So uh, they would end up segmenting their mind and a part of their mind, the part that might get to get uh, stir crazy, let's say, um, would be engaged by something like a podcast and the rest of their body would be off doing their paperwork or doing the workout or doing the truck driving, you know, the drone work at the office and they're able to like tune things out. And this is why you'd have office radio and stuff like that is to, to help with this. And I wonder if, if you are much like that in the sense that there is a level of engagement that some part of you maybe needs for the rest of you to just buckle down and, you know, clean the hallway of your crap or clean your room or do your laundry or something like that. Like the combination of, of boring mortal responsibilities that we have. Um, I, I think, I think you already kind of do that because I catch you listening to podcasts all the time. And so I'm wondering if that's just, that's something you need to make a full commitment. It's for. some, it's somewhere in the realm of somewhat effectiveness. What I just, what can I do now while I'm doing this? Sure. But too often you'll have a tablet game, which I mean, I don't see the point of doing stuff that doesn't. So my, my it's still the um, dopamine reward of, Oh, I'm making progress through this or, like just do this a bit more it's, a if it's designed to grab your attention well yeah well that's the thing it's not it doesn't do anything in life i know um there so there are um well that was traffic outside distracting me my fragile attention span um i was gonna say there are two arguments i can't remember what i was talking about now because now i'm kind of frustrated at that so we were talking about segmentation. Talk about dopamine rewards. Um, and so the 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 tablet thing is, I've got a philosophy that says that 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 nothing is worth doing if it can't escape you, in some form or other. So, in when you are doing like when you're playing a single player game, like single player games are, are a waste of time, technically under this philosophy in a rigid sense. So I'll make an argument against them being worthless. So a single player game requires you to understand its mechanics and it requires you to sharpen a piece of your mind to understand, to, to play the strategy of it, to learn it, or to learn the lore, the story, the whatever. So there is value there because you become a better person when playing it. But when replaying it and replaying it and replaying it, it it's got no, no particular additional value. So the in your first pass, let's say, you are not just maturing as a person, but you're getting exposed to new stuff. So that when you do often go do something, you go do something real, you are a better person capable having honed yourself a little bit on certain strategies, for example nuances 
um, unknowable nuances of that ex that single player experience could be used could be portable skills for any number of other things. But what about and, when um, Cyberpunk twenty twenty or something something comes out? I can't remember the ending of that. So so when that comes out, that is that a single player game? Yes. Um, when that comes out and you get it, it's so there's it's like watching a movie. Technically, sitting and watching a movie alone isn't doesn't do anything. It doesn't perform work. Doesn't make you more money. Doesn't, but it it influences you. It changes you. And as long as you go off and do something, nuances about if you curate those experiences, so you don't just go watch garbage. You you curate it and you watch the things that that not necessarily because you want to learn because that's another that's a trap that I have as I I kind of get frustrated not learning while I'm watching stuff like not taking notes or not like pursuing non-fiction education stuff it's, it's it's hard for me to actually be entertained so if you're doing something like watching uh, a movie as long as you can curate that so it's not it's not the kind of bubblegum for the mind stuff that exists out there then you can go off and do whatever achieve whatever else in life and you will have expanded yourself ever so slightly by having watched you know all the movies that i recommend <laughs> although there's some of them that they're that are kind of that are dumb that are thrown in there for like reference for being important for historical purposes but all the depressing movies no not the depressing like if i said like i've got a couple of i just got frustrated superhero movies for example and they're, they're just trash they're just reusing the same stuff they're no good there are some old ones that that i would have and i might re-watch partly because they were new at the time and so there was a certain snapshot of influence there and so they're they're his, they're important for historical purposes for me to actually have to own to keep um, but all the new stuff is garbage so i wouldn't have as my like idle brain time sitting down and watching like the very newest hottest um marvel movie and then consider it time spent that's useful that's any good at all it's just spinning my wheels and so i should just go i know that the next star wars is going to be garbage no matter what it is there there's no hope for it it's unsalvageable crap i would actually be better off um watching reviews of of the movies i sat down to like a two and a half hour one and it, it was uh it was amazing it wasn't Mahler stuff because i talked about this before with you i think um but it was another guy who who actually proposed his own story based on you know a, a reasonable amount of the existing lore and universe and that was was more compelling and interesting than actually watching one of the movies so it, you can actually curate what you spin your wheels on your your single player experience so that you the the human viewer walk away to tasks that are actually important to you in life 
uh, a better person, more suited, more capable, whatever. Um, so playing a point and click game or repetition, one of these things is stupid and a waste of time and you know it. Um, so if, if you can instead fill your brain with the podcast while going off and doing other tedious stuff, like cleaning or whatever the heck, that's always really good. Kind of like the kind of like the truck driver listening to a podcast, you would be doing housework listening to a podcast or whatever equivalent. Um, I tend to not quite be able to do that. So I have three primary segments. I've got the one that might be like cooking, then another one that uh, I'll have like a song on loop, something like that. I could listen to the same song on loop. And That's what uh, I've been doing every, every, or not every now and then, but half, a quarter of the time, quarter to half. I just use that uh, when I'll just have that playing in the background while I'm playing my game. Well, sometimes I have like a song that I love. Um, and it's recent. I just kind of felt, and I'll just have it on loop. And but the thing is, there's a set of songs recently that they're not from my childhood or anything like that. Which a lot of, you know, old people go back to the the music of their youth, and that's the music they like. I'm I'm a little bit like that, but I know a lot of the music from my my youth is just garbage, manufactured trash. I've got no illusions, and I know because I know a lot of the recent stuff is like that. But I'll find like little snippets hidden and I'll, I'll discover them recently and i'll those will be my favorites and they'll be on loop, and they will forever be my favorites so i'll go back five years ago or whatever and, and that is not my youth um but I, I could pull up any of those songs and also act the same way so i've got that as my second segment of like a song or multiple songs that are favorites new songs i can't do it with things i need to pay attention to i can't do it with and then the the third segment of my mind is the thing that's wandering and planning and explaining, and it's the thing that that is unshackleable. Um, and so it's hard for me to sit down and pay attention to to like study and learn a new thing, because I can't quite put that in segment one. Because I, I, there's none of those three segments does does studying fit. So, for example, uh, I take courses on a, a website called Future Learn, and Future Learn is not very good, so I don't recommend it. Um, and it, uh, so it has prepared courses, and and they're terrible. But you got to sit down, got to sit down and really work to learn. It's so badly presented, and there is no opportunity within there for me to to do the three segment model that I'm so comfortable with because it doesn't fit in segment one. It's not like a task that I can perform that I are, like I'm already competent in cooking and not really doing any exploring or anything, just performing the work and waiting because physics takes time. It's not really segment two, which is a thing that's on loop that I love. That's maybe it's generating an emotion. Um, and it's not segment three because it's not the just random wanderings of the gardener. And so it's really hard for me to like, it, ha it has to be all three because it's, it's interfering with any of the others. So it's really stressful for me to sit there and, and be a good student. Um, at best, at best, what's, what ends up happening, and I, will, I have done this, I will actually provide feedback 
for the course I'm taking while I'm taking it because it isn't good enough and I could have written it better. <laughs> this so I'll I'll use a website and I'll take notes and I'll I'll send them back to the to the um, the authors of the website or the the document or and the they won't get pissed off at all. Um, not necessarily. I'm I'm getting good at at presenting things well. Um, sometimes it is a matter of perspective and choice, and and the choices are not ever explained in in the website. So, for example, there's. Uh, website it's not it's not out of beta yet so it's not publicly accessible called thinkspot and it's a it's made by academics and so it is dry and it is ugly and uh, it's the it it presents nothing doesn't bring anything new to the table as such so you can imagine that it's one of these community websites so maybe you can compare it to like it's not like twitter it's not like mines it's not like youtube it's not like so like theoretic it would be like an essay hosting website it's, it's how you can think of it but that's not a particularly interesting thing so you can do something like gab or mines which is something like that it's kind of like a blog but it's one platform where everybody's everybody's there so it's kind of a social media essay website and its only shtick is it has annotations. And that's not even a very good shtick, because that was done twice before. The most recent, the only active one is something from, uh, from Gab called Dissenter, which is a tool that lets you comment on websites, on, on other websites without their permission. So it's, it is hosted by Gab. The comments are hosted by Gab. You have an account with Gab but you can be referring to some third-party website and you and the other users of that tool could comment on that. And this is a take on a very, very old program from uh, ICQ. Um, I, are you familiar at all with that? It's, it was an old instant messenger. Yeah, I knew the, it was an instant messenger, but I didn't use it. I used, I can't so remember. It was back in the day, like MSN Messenger was the popular one. That's Microsoft's thing. ICQ was was also a very good messenger, and it had a a like another thing where you could kind of attach it, and as you were surfing, it would provide you could you could comment. You can have annotations on other websites. <laughs> it, was, it was a cool idea. It wasn't really used very well, and it was kind of. I mean, I liked it. I really liked the idea. I never really used it though. Um, but it was, it would have been a way, it was essentially like a forum thread for every page on the internet, theoretically. And so Gab's dissenter is very much like that. And it's kind of important because um, you are not allowed to say certain things or certain people are banned or they don't want to make accounts for certain websites. So it's a layer on top that the websites don't like because they want to own the content created by its users. So they want to own the comments as well as put in their own infrastructure. So their own likes and dislikes concept, they want to overlay that on top of their users posting comments on their website. So Facebook wouldn't like this idea because it, it wants to associate that with Facebook accounts and it wants to attach it wants to have artificial intelligence crawling through that stuff and understanding things. It wants to improve things for advertising, et cetera, et cetera. 
so they don't like the idea of some third party community um creating threads for their their whatever random old person memes um so dissenters i've never used it i think it, i don't think it's its own web browser i'm not entirely sure how it works offhand but it's on my to-do list i'll probably care about it like the day after it gets closed <laughs> something i'm like that but think spot is is not that it and it's so you can think of it kind of like a, a facebook style thing with an awkward theme that lets people post essays and you can select sentences and annotate so it has annotation per sentence and i swear it is the most awkwardly academic and they're, they're literal academics that are that are the the featured people both behind it and the the contributors the, the main contributors to it are actual like university professors and such um but in using that i actually started taking notes and i actually emailed them my notes some of my concerns are because i was using a weird web browser but i'll i'll have to go through and do another pass and and recheck all my current thoughts and just use chrome and they have they will have no excuse for having compatibility problems if i were to use something like chrome because chrome is considered i think it's is chrome the most uh, most popular browser now i think it is either that uh, or firefox actually i, I think, think chrome's Fire... more prevalent uh... I think it is now. I still stick to Firefox for just wow. because of I don't like what Chrome's doing with their process with their tab. I I find Chrome to be insanely difficult to use. Its interface is so bad, lacks hotkeys, and it lacks a lot of basic functionality that took years for people to write plugins for. So, the ability to control Shift page down to move a tab to the right, like. I need to be able to do things like this. Can I am, click and drag, or you actually have to do that? Well, you mean I have to take my hand off the keyboard, move my hand over to my mouse, put my hand on my mouse, move my mouse to figure out where the heck it is, and then move it over to a tab, and then click and drag a tab. Maybe I maybe I drag it over there, or maybe I accidentally pull it into a new window. Who knows? I, no, I just I just want to be there and just perform the action instantly okay, okay. like remember i'm older than mice <laughs> you and your newfangled three button mice with your weird with your weird scroll thing what weird scroll thing and and the and the lcd lighting <laughs> i don't like lcd wait what <laughs> it's led and i don't even like that uh i, I i've I can't even buy mice without stupid effects that actually are are shaped correctly and and have the buttons in the right place. Oh man. And just why I want the the Ford Ford car version of mice. I just I have one model of Dell mouse that I'm okay with that is good enough. That's I should probably buy I'm buying 10 years worth of everything else. I should probably buy a couple of spares of that exact model of mouse and just 
be a little poor, but have a lot of spares and, and be comfortable. It's like, um, in the garage, I found another, another keyboard and I'm, I'm going to keep it because it got lost in the garage. So nobody's missing it. And it, it has the correct layout of keys, which is actually important and no trim. So it doesn't, uh, you sure it's not my old one. It might be, I don't know. It was, it was collecting dust. So is it black? Maybe. I mean, I'm not saying it's not black. <laughs> um, because but... there's like the reason I got rid of the reason I got rid of it because like I because I because when I was because when I was playing League of Legends so frequently, I still do like when the keys don't it's not 100 percent effective. Oh shit! Okay, well I maybe I'll discover that. <laughs> um, but uh. And, uh I mean, it's kind of a the the grumpy old man is kind of a joke, and I'm and that that's definitely sexist, because I'm sure there's some equivalent for for everybody else, um, but the the grumpy old man is fixed in his ways, doesn't want to learn new things, but it's poor guy. I will go through the hell of trying every different kind of of keyboard mouse of whatever and then i'll find the thing i like and i want to keep it forever hey do you know that's where marriage comes from <laughs> so i just want to keep, go there i just i just want to keep the thing i love forever that's no i'm not gonna go butterfly around pretty ever you shall stay whatever as i see you now well no it's that's not necessarily about being like relationships is a different subject but like for for a mouse or a keyboard the the idea that i can't get a mouse that is ambidextrous for example so ambidexterity is important for somebody who's left-handed um which i am not i kind of wanted to be but um it didn't work out and that would mean that you would have to have a mouse where if you if you draw a center line down it it would be symmetrical both sides would be shaped the same. And these days, mice are are kind of this awkward lopsided thing with a groove for the thumb. And I don't. And it, 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 it is um, it is incorrect for you to have your to use a claw for a mouse. Technically speaking, your hand should be rolled. So if it's your right hand, your hand should be rolled over so it's resting on your pinky. And your palm should be should be you know pointing at your keyboard. That technically that's the rested position for your arm, but but we kind of claw on our mouse, so we, we point our palm down to our, our our desk, and that's actually not a good idea technically. Now it turns out that's that's not true after being a computer user for decades. It's not true. It has not done damage. Um, but all the mice now are moving from that that palm down position, that claw position, over rolling just a little bit over, and just that small change means that it's no longer a symmetrical device. So you can't just swap it over to your left hand because it's it's shifted, it's lopsided over to one side. 
So that's a big problem. And the other is um, where the buttons are. So the, the thumb button got turned into a rocker with two buttons, but it's supposed to be a thumb button and a pinky button for me. It's supposed to be symmetrical. So back is the, so the, the back button, it would be button four is the thumb. And my pinky would have button five or the forward button in a web browser. And it, it's perfectly symmetrical. And good luck finding mice like that. There's, there's like a handful that you can find right now, which it bothers me a lot because I'm grumpy and old and I don't like things to change. I like what I like. Hope dies old. Yeah, well, I mean, it's strange because I'll go, I'll explore with all kinds of other stuff, but for, for hardware, I just don't want to, it's not like I don't want to learn something new because I always do that. Um, but I want to. I like things just so when I like them. Like, I will explore until I find something I love, and then... But I... sometimes change is a good thing. Maybe. But but like I was saying earlier about the... about updating software, it's just... as soon as, it, as it's there and it works and fulfills its promise for the features that you use it for, don't update, because an update might break something that you're used to. Some of your workflow might change ever so slightly, and it's going to be aggravating. And why bother learning something nuanced, some small, ch or just randomly bumping into some change in the future? Why bother doing that if there's no promise of something that is this significant enough for you to to care? Some some new optimization, some new feature provided by a piece of software. Why pursue that? And I mean, my my present example has got to be. Um, so I use a, a suite. So office suites were a big part of computers for a very long time. And the, and it, it was major growing pains, but an open source version was made and then remade into something called LibreOffice. And so it's, you know, extra complicated word processing, extra complicated spreadsheet and a presentation software. I think they do do a database software. And at any rate, um, it, it's a massive, complex thing. And so I use um, the spreadsheet software to create like a, a budgeting breakdown and scheduling set of software pages, set of um, spreadsheet pages. And it, it'll occasionally bug me for an update. I'll be like, hey, we have new, and I'll, and I'll go through and the thing is, I have to read through the list of feature changes, um, and it's just uh, it's a mess because it's for the entire suite, which is frustrating. And there's just no point in ever updating, ever for any reason, because I've accomplished the goal that I have for it. The spreadsheet that I made works, and it has all the features I want. And some of them are actually kind of cool. Um, I mean, I'm not as smart as I used to be when I was fiddling with spreadsheets. I might have told you the story where I got a job just because I was good at spreadsheets. So I took a bet. <laughs> I won the bet and got to work for a year and a half based on a bet. Um, yeah, the, 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 those were the good old days. Um, I don't, you can't exactly, uh, I've done that more than once. Oh, I've had a weird life. Um, 
and uh, so I'm not that good anymore, but the spreadsheet does what I want it to do and um, updates don't provide anything. There, there's no there's no advantage to updating for any piece of software, really, once you understand it well enough. And um, there are sometimes features that you can look out for if you read change logs. So I do keep track of what version I'm on and, and what I'm used to. And then I will, I will look at change logs when I'm bored because very rarely there'll be some interesting new feature that maybe I'll update for, but otherwise, eh, why bother? Um, especially if you're not competent with a piece of software. So for example, um, the humble bundle has, has had software bundles before and the angle that is uh is played by the software developers that offer themselves up into the bundle is they will actually offer up a slightly older version of the software um or they will they will update the they they will provide the the version the contemporary version but they have just released a new version or they will very shortly and what they do is they have people get this version for whatever price they paid for the bundle. And that the program that they install prompts them for the upgrade to the next version. And they're constantly teased at their being, at you're using the old software. And they're constantly teased at their existing a, an upgraded version, supposedly, quote unquote. And there might be features specifically built into the newer version that, well, realistically, they they wouldn't backport features into the older versions of the software. So it'd be like a 5.0, 6.0 situation. Humble Blendle might offer five. It might do a, a little bit of nagging to for six. And six would sit there with like a larger feature set or something like that, or a better interface or whatever the heck. Um, so I've had situations where I've got that software and I've got that for like a video editing suite and maybe other stuff, photo editing and stuff like that. But until I've mastered that version, there's, I can't be teased by the newer version because it can't offer me anything because I'm not good enough at what I've got already. Well, what if so the improvements made something that you could, were, could be mastered, could attempt to master a lot better? Well, but the thing is, I can't know that. And so it's it's however many sometimes hundreds of dollars for software. So for the video editing, photo side of stuff, some of the software, audio engineering software, it gets into the thousands of dollars. But for some of that software, the the price doesn't justify that that possibility, and they don't sell that possibility. They just maybe it's a bullet point, and so I don't. I don't fully understand the difference between what I've already got and what they're, they're not quite promising anything very effectively. And it's really annoying because I understand a little bit of the, I mean, I've been a consumer for long enough and I've been paying attention to, to myself at least. It's really annoying when somebody's trying to sell me something and they're incompetent at it. And I might be interested in it, but they just, they, they're not, they're not saying that to me because they're not even trying. It's like watching, oh, humble humble bundle choice, um, which I was talking about during your break. 
um, get, I, I get 10 choices out of the 12 that are presented. And each one of the games has the opportunity to explain itself, to sell itself to me, to everyone. And so it's, it's pictures and text and it's, uh, if it's pictures and text, maybe, maybe I'll get the gist of it. And often there is a video is like an embedded YouTube video and I will, I'll play it. And one of the games, one of the games I was playing it and I, I, I was watching it and it's a trailer and it's all artsy and it's got all kinds of reviewer quotes. And I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out like, is this a game? Like, what is this? What, what is the gameplay? Sh- show me something like what, why would I want this? And even though theoretically I would be paying $0 having bought the bundle already, like the money is gone for me. So it's, it's no, it's no skin off my back to just ignore that and do something else, go somewhere else, go pick one of the other. At that point, it would be one of the other 11. So, and it's the same thing for a lot of things. Like it's not like a trailer for a movie because at least a trailer for a movie uh, it's at least a, a misrepresentation of the stuff that you might get in the actual movie. But th- these are game trailers that might be, they might be showing bits of cutscenes <laughs> or, or gameplay, or they might just be art or that's a peeve of mine, man. Sorry. I was ranting. What were we talking about? I <laughs> You're supposed to be practicing keeping I'm track. I'm supposed to be practicing keeping track, but it's like... It's so, your paint. But it's someone burning out at the end of the session right now. But but you're playing on your tablet. Actually, I'm telling you. Actually, I'm mindlessly tapping on my tablet right now for the past five, ten minutes. Um, uh, let's see. Talking about the advert. The game being sold to you, even though you've already spent your money on it, whether or not you... Well, now it's in your possession. Now the choice is whether or not do you want to play it or just either toss it in the back of the closet where you'll never see it again. Oh, I was talking about um, justifying software upgrades. It's the same wow, thing. Was... Like they don't, they don't sell the reason why I should upgrade. They don't sell the features. I mean, properly. isn't oh properly okay? Right, like so, so they can't convince me to move from the thing that I got from a humble bundle, for example. And I'm being teased with an upgrade to to spend money, often quite a lot of money, to get some upgraded version of it. And I'm generally interested in the upgraded version of it. But I'll sit there and I'll look at the the feature screen, and I won't know what I don't know what they're promising me because I'm not a an expert user of the old program for sure. Cause I just got it. And, um, I don't know, like I can just sit at my old version and, and learn it. And awkwardly, unfortunately, a lot of the software just sucks. Um, I can't, by the time I sit and I learn the software, there'll be one or two additional versions having been released. So I may as well just sit back, figure stuff out and then whatever, learn it all from scratch again. Um, so it's it's kind of frustrating that websites and software and games and everything just does they don't understand how to sell themselves properly, it, not even remotely well. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. So, mar- so even though they do have a marketing, they don't use it properly, or it's not utilized well, efficiently. I mean, what? Yeah, I don't. It's one of these uh, eating your own dog food things. It's it's like they can't see themselves properly in the shoes of the people that would be paying them money for their product. So they they never figure out how to present things. I mean, at least websites are getting better about actually having like a store where you can find the checkout button, which was a big problem for a long time. Um, and uh, so you can actually be like, I want that product or service now. Play your credit card, put it down and actually figure out how to give them your money. It was so frustrating bumping into that when that was my, when that was my industry knowing it, it's really torturous when you know how to do better and you're dealing with, um, Wait, weren't you part of that? <laughs> I, I wasn't part of the problem. No, be, not part be... of the problem. What weren't you, couldn't you help Let's... relay that issue and get the yeah, minds yeah. working to figure out how to solve the issue? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to talk about my, my previous employments, but yeah, I've, I've been the middleman the in software development and, project management and all this kind of stuff. And so that's why I've got a special ear for for understanding the for like ear is probably not the right body part. So the the mind for understanding what a website's doing and what it's doing wrong and how it could do things better. It's just torturous for me to use any website. Every website could be slightly better. Um which is, it is, it's just torture for me to be alive. <laughs> just because whenever I use a thing, I, I always understand just a little bit. I understand my perspective, certainly expertly, expertly, because I'm paying attention to me using the website. And I just see tiny things that could be done, little iterative improvements. And when something is entirely in beta, um, I do want to help if I like it. Like ThinkSpot, I wanna, I wanna help. So I want it to succeed. Right now, it has no selling features, at all. It, it's not even a decent analog to uh, a, a blogging, a shared blogging platform like Facebook or something. So it doesn't have the same features. It's not even remotely pretty. It's it's like it's Facebook in that it has old people because it has academics, but it's it's dry and ugly and. And the only feature it would suggest is the notion of annotation, which I know where it comes from, the, the notion. So one of the original, the, the original inception of the, okay, so insider knowledge. So the original inception of ThinkSpot was the notion that a text could be presented and then multiple minds could work towards iteratively improving parts of it. So that you could ultimately revise a, a book, even a book, an essay, a sentence, with the cooperation of multiple people, theoretically speaking, right? Now that turns out to not be exactly true, um, and I know why. And I was actually working on uh, documenting that, and maybe maybe I'll actually finish that up. Since since this effort won't do that, I don't feel really bad about stepping over an idea that they're they're not actually trying to execute. Because if they were trying to execute that that effort, 
I would either have to criticize it when it exists or or shut up um, because they they would be implementing it. So technically this boils down to my having an idea on how multiple people can collaborate over uh, the original idea was what would happen if you could iteratively improve philosophy, which is a beautiful dream that it, it doesn't actually work because philosophers aren't like normal humans. Isn't it just a bunch of free think though? Like what else? Or just philosophy? Um, I want you to think concepts. Hmm? No, I was thinking what else in concepts. Well, so okay so philosophy is uh, ancient greek philosophia it's the love of knowledge you can think of it like the space where the think heavy people go and where they their brains just wander so there are many different directions that a wandering mind can go in and those wandering minds end up solidifying rule sets for thinking of problems or the world in certain ways. And many of them metastasize into these useless, stupid philosophies that, that aren't useful for anything, that aren't good, and that, that don't make sense. So that they're dead end, but they're learned for historical reasons. Or they maybe make one good point, and then the next philosophy over, maybe that draws from it the next step um it, it aggressively criticizes a point and, and it, so philosophies might say well you can't really know anything because and it would it would just do loopy nonsense in some waffly stupid direction or like life isn't meaningful because you're not immortal and everything you ever accomplished will will turn into dust therefore your life doesn't matter so just kill yourself and so that's philosophy called nihilism <laughs> so it's like the meaninglessness of all of existence because because a lack of continuation it's like and that's not that's a that's a philosophy and it's stupid and it's got pro and then the next philosophy over would would be a, a response to that for example and and most people don't understand anything of any of the philosophies, and I know that I'm not explaining it well enough. But one philosophy that you, you think you understand, but you don't, um, is something that is called natural philosophy. Natural philosophy deals with, instead of sitting here and using things like, well, we know um, that, that heat comes from hot things, comes from burning things, so that we know that the sun must be on fire because it's heat and so they would sit around philosophizing to to try to understand the complexities of the world like what is the sun <laughs> and, and so so would, they would sit and they would think about it but there's another version of philosophy called natural philosophy that involves gathering evidence <laughs> and actually experimenting with real evidence in the real world and grounding everything based on like physical objects that they can actually explore and tests that they can perform on the real world that can be reproduced. And this, this uh, natural philosophy ended up becoming so alien from the 
the, from the from the uh, love of knowledge, the pure, heady, waffly bullshit rooted in language philosophy that it ended up needing to be renamed into science. So science is a branch of philosophy that most people think they understand, but don't. That that says that um, reproducibility is important, and and multiple people in multiple places. Not, not otherwise agreeing, need to be able to reproduce an experiment in order verifiability and all this kind of stuff. It all exists as a philosophy that, that, uh, that, that is like the procedures of science in, the, in theory. It's not actually how it operates in the real world because there are humans in the real world and humans are stupid and corrupt. So a lot of science is stupid and corrupt. That sounds great. Yeah. So, um, but that that's a that's a separate adult problem, very adult problem, and unfortunately, a lot of the world we interact with today has a lot of science wielded around, and science that's wielded around to intentionally mislead people that don't understand what science is. Again. Science has people in it, so it's stupid and corrupt. And that's never, people need to keep that in mind whenever there are humans involved in any endeavor, you're going to get that in every endeavor. And people put it on hold and, and, and as soon as they hear numbers or something, they, they, they have this faith response without understanding that stupid and corrupt is always going to be there. So for some reason, there's a forgiveness aspect. Anyhow, that's that's deep, dark problems of of the most. Um, I suppose that would be like one of the more valuable philosophies we have is science. Um, so yeah, ThinkSpot was um, originally based around the idea of what if you could take like a philosophical essay. And, and pull out a chunk of it and have people collaborate over the revision of it so that it could be more clearly um, more clearly written. Um, that is not actually, that's not humanly possible. I mean that in a literal sense. That's not humanly possible because all the different humans are going to be different humans. And it turns out that humans break down into kinds when it, when it comes down to thinking. So we think with a different uh, tool set, different set of instincts, let's say. And what we would call a philosopher, like the, the philosophers that are the creators of our different philosophies, those are, those are individuals. Those are wildly rare super geniuses that just aren't... Like, there are so few real philosophers in human history that we could actually learn all their names They're in all of in all of human history because <laughs> it ends up not just being that kind of thinker but being an excellent excellent writer and being positioned well enough to write and get kept which are extremely rare and we're not going to get that with oh you know random phds or something like that we're not going to get take an average genius and and make them any good at, at revising especially cooperating to to revise a text so the think spot original idea uh, never would have worked and i began writing an essay with an explanation as to 
why that's true. I, I never never finished it because I knew ThinkSpot would go down a different path. So now what, the path it's gone down is very much like the the original ICQ and now uh, dissenter uh, commentation concept, the annotation on text. And when I look at it, because I'm looking at it from behind the scenes, so it's closed beta. So I got an invite into the closed beta. And behind the scenes, what you're seeing is essentially this massive unstructured comment thread on a single sentence. And it's not, I mean, that's not, it's not ever going to revise the original. Maybe it's like a massive explanation of this line of Shakespeare or whatever. So there's a lot there, but it's not good for anything really. It's not going to revise the original because the original essays aren't being edited. And if the original essay was edited, what happens to that old text? Does it get, is there like an older revision that that text now, that, that commentation applies to? Um, so like it's a, we don't, cause now, now it's a, it's a 3d concept. So we have the previous version that had a thread of conversation for every single one of the sentences. And then when a new sentence gets released, <laughs> all of the existing annotation doesn't apply to it anymore, but you should be able to find it. And it's still important. So it's like adding a Lego block on top of that sheet. And, and that's for every single sentence individually. Each one of the annotation threads might be important in the context of that revision of that document. So like, it's an absolutely ludicrously stupid idea what they're trying to pursue, especially if it were to be opened up to like average people if you're open up like it's if you were to open up that annotation system to like random facebook people you're you're going to get random facebook like nonsense as annotation on hopefully related sentences and it's it's going to be useless <laughs> So maybe what I do is I'd like follow however many people that I like, and then I would see their annotation and not anyone else's. Maybe I'd filter out dumb people somehow. Like I come across the same person's response and I'd, I'd mute that person. They would vanish from all annotations across the website. Like how, I don't know what they're thinking, <laughs> but I haven't commented on the, the overall philosophy of things. Let me move the mic closer. I haven't, I haven't responded to them more broadly like that because I know some of the developers are, um, they're doing their best. Their best is kind of, oh man. Oh man. But like I said, I see problems in absolutely every endeavor that I experience, but I want this website to work. I just know that it won't, but I know it's going to be a bunch of, uh, freaking 200 iq people on there so there's there's gonna be stuff worth reading man but uh so painful because none of them want to use facebook and none of them want to use anything else so they're all going to be here and they're all going to be geniuses <laughs> they're all going to be talking to one another and goddamn, do you want to be a fly on the wall of a bunch of academics talking about certain things especially when when they're not going to ban themselves so they can they can talk about whatever adult stuff goes through their mind that they don't want to go and share on 
like like Facebook and and be ostracized by random people or or whatever the heck they're they're in a safe space with other like literal professors and stuff like when I say academics um so it will be a really interesting place to be um but and I, I my language got out of hand because I'm really heated about this in, issue I'm I'm fascinated to see what will happen with that kind of endeavor. <laughs> but I you mean, know, you should probably just talk to them and offer some services. What? Oh God! I don't think anybody could. Um, I don't think it's possible for anything in existence to actually meet whatever standards I might have, because I can always see iterative improvements in everything. M mine is not a very happy place. My world. So, um, I, I can, oh, how would it, how, how arrogant can I be? I can guarantee wondrous things if something can ever find its, find a way to impress me and very few things can. And so I make really good calls on things that, that impress me. They will go, they will go on to do great things which is why I have the phrase I approve, which means a lot more than, than most people would ever realize. So I, I will know a band, for example, that will go on to do great things. When I hear their indie album, I'll know, and I'll know why. And, and I will, a piece of software or a website or what, and I will know why, and I will know what improvements they, they should make right away or what mistakes they're making or, I've got a good eye for that stuff. And while that would be worth money to other people to, to get advice, th there is no way to articulate how, how a person can do that, can provide that service consistently and how that's worth money. So it's not, it's not a service that I can sell and it's, it's not, a lot of the stuff that I would suggest would just seem obvious at first blush. And a lot of people would say, well, that was that, that's not worth money. Cause I, I could have figured that out and yeah, sure. But, but you didn't, but, and the world's just full of that. Right. Um, and there's no way to distinguish, um, any one opinionated person from any other. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I suppose I could sell myself as a service, but usually that kind of stuff. Um, so, for example, motivational speakers or other advisors of that sort, they they build a slow resume of uh, that is built first with nepotism. So you have friends hiring you, and you build this kind of like fake resume as a way of at least looking useful so that other people can approach you, look at the fake resume, then hire you without realizing that it, it, without the nepotism building that fake resume, it would have been impossible to, to properly convey the skill. There could, there could be legitimate skill, like legitimate motivational speaker skill underneath there or whatever the heck. Um, but, uh, a part of the, the purchaser, the client has to, has to have something to latch onto to to pay money for um and the the person hired ends up 
kind of proving themselves while in the while being paid so there's kind of like a period of time when a person's hired where it's like a promise that they're trying to fulfill so that it's like a it's like a faith moment and they end up having to to uh, perform to get results uh, as soon as possible to justify their existence and i would kind of be in that situation without having the backing the the nepotism of people being like well I, yeah i know you're you're fine so you will just say you work for me you work for me for a while and the the faith was there from past experience or whatever like it was a friend from college i know that guy's really smart and just kind of like give the nod hire person and then tack that onto that business relationship into a resume like the early days that uh, faith period was like the time in high school or or whatever so that it exists that way and then that has to be folded into a resume and then well whatever i'm waffling on about stuff that's not going to apply so i i could never um offer myself up to websites in that way even though i've got a background in all kinds of stuff um even then it's like but everybody knows how to use a website why would i want to hire somebody for this um, it's hard to justify it and if i don't already have a uh, um a resume built um then right so i could be the best thing the the best answer for making a, a website better but i can't convey it properly and they 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 have no nothing to grab onto to believe me well you could just offer the free service for uh, like a small period of time well i usually what happens is um i like something and i just donate my time and and i give them a review or I give them some notes or something like that and i just do it and and the thank you that i get is is all i need is i i would want the success for the the tools that I use for the websites that I use. Um, so that's usually all I can really ask for properly. And, and uh, occasionally I'll be given a discount or some on something or other. And, you know, I've, be, I've been given at one point I was given a free copy of a piece of software and I've been given demo copies of stuff and things like this over the years. But it's not, and it's not something I care about. It's not something I think about. Um, but for something like ThinkSpot, no, it's I wouldn't even offer it because I don't, I don't. Oh man, they'd have to just tear down so much stuff, and they would hate me because in order to make me happy, they'd have to actually change too much, and usually hurt somebody's feelings to be told flatly that that they're bad and they need to stop and they need to do it right. And sometimes, sometimes, um, yeah, ThinkSpot is just too, man, is it so ugly. Whew. Oh, it is, it is just a very, very, uh, it's a monotone. It is a black and white, stark academic layout. Yeah, it's, oof. yeah, so. 
But I was there in the early days of something like Minds as well. Are you familiar with the Minds.com? Nope. No, so Minds.com was touting itself as being a, a reasonable alternative to, again, Facebook and Twitter and all this kind of stuff. And and I was there before you could properly do media hosting. I was I was way in the olden days. And um, before like cryptocurrency implementation and all this other stuff. Um, and so when you could like actually set, like imagine being able to like at Zuckerberg and get responses, that's not a thing that happens. Um, but you could like at, I can't even remember the damn name of the, the two brothers, but you could actually like at them and talk and get responses and talk to them. So they were just guys. And so during the early days of the development of the website, sure, a lot of people provided reasonable feedback to all kinds of stuff for the iterative improvement. And it it was nice to see that grow. I never got involved with it. Like, I think I've got an account still. I cannot remember. I made a bunch of accounts for a bunch of different websites just to to park my name. And then I for, uh, have them saved in the password folder. A password wallet um but but a lot of places just get too big to be able to listen to feedback even so like good luck telling google that their website sucks for a specific reason because i mean pewdiepie could make a video saying how he hates the new layout and <laughs> nobody would care actually they'd, they'd probably laugh because they don't like him for some reason for whatever the heck um, but, uh, oh, so many hilarious things I'm going to share. Okay. So, so non-hilarious thing, but more, um, more meta. I think we're coming up on another break, aren't we? We're coming up on another break, but I kind of want to stop, right? Stop soon. Oh, completely stop. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me finish my, I think up times like three, one yeah, up, up times in like almost three hours, it's three hours. Okay. Um, so final thought was, remember how we were talking about the, the notion is of, of what we're doing in voice chat is we're using discord and you're recording my discord as a source input through, through OBS and streaming that up to Twitch. So that's our process. Now the, 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 uh, discord component, if we could eliminate that, so it's not my voice channeled out on the internet well you out both of our voices channeled out on the internet and piped back to each to the other um we can eliminate discord reducing bandwidth not that it matters for voice chat and just have it piped from me directly to you um i was looking up different services that have that functionality i have found several that are uh you know have the requirements that I'm looking for. So I'm looking for something that's that's long-term feasible, that's not that's that's fine for commercial use but isn't itself necessarily commercial. You know, it's free preferably actually free and actually open source. Maybe it can be run on multiple platforms, maybe it can include a phone, but it can connect over a local network or remotely or you could host your own server. Um, and it, so I found a few options. One of them is called Talks. It is T O X. It's the 
protocol, as I understand, it's also the protocol that's used for TikTok. That's not actually a good selling point because I wouldn't, I don't like TikTok. Um, I don't like the underlying technology, but this is apparently the, uh, like the transport layer, the, the communications protocol that, that it happens to be a client for. It happens to be like a website service client for, and underlying it is this Talks protocol. But I don't think Talks was made by them. I have to double check. I think it's just an open source project on the side. Because I found a couple of, of competent clients, one, one of which has like a local network auto discovery feature that I think would just solve the problem. So we fire that up. You, we could hear one another, we could talk, and then you could use your end as an audio input into OBS. And so we would not be using any internet bandwidth for traffic for VoIP. It would just be local networking traffic. And then, so that would, that would eliminate one possibility. And then we would just never update the software again. Um, Cause it doesn't, there's an actual configuration feature where it just, it does not talk to the internet. So that piece of software is, it doesn't reach out to a server to identify a username or something like that and, and like authenticate us or something weird like that. It just, the software does not communicate on the internet anymore. It just, need to authenticate. so, so that's just one. And that, that would make that tool, uh, that would remove one complexity, one, one additional moving part from the problem. So it's another, so Discord sometimes does robot voice, sometimes might go down. Our, our internet access might be a little wacky one day and that whatever, it might not work, right? So, um, so I'll look a little bit deeper into that. And I think that maybe that would be our, maybe next time what we'll do is we'll have you stream while you're playing a game, while we're talking. So, so we can give something more interesting for people to look at that rather than a really beautiful default font <laughs> um, in like 64 point and uh, give them something to look at. Maybe that will be our next mission, but, um, and, but soonish, uh, maybe two shows from now, we'll explore with um, a local VoIP client okay. and that'll replace Discord. Well, New problems will arise, like problems of push to talk or voice sensitivity or something, but we'll figure that stuff out. So yes, does that sound good? Yep. Something to look forward to. So for next time, your your mission, okay, other than getting me a copy of this, I don't think it's going to matter, um, is making sure that uh, you have done a test stream to this channel and just close, uh, make it private or delete it after. And just make sure that... Um, I mean, we can do another Discord test, uh, you know, tomorrow, the day after, whatever. Um, but our next next live goal will be you streaming something, a game or something. Yeah. Okay. So we're done. Uh, the stream is stopped, and the recording is stopped. <laughs>